I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And good morning. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30, as we continue in our second part of our series, Judas, the Great Pretender. John chapter 13, verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. When he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, By those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. We return, and we begin right now at where Judas has his problem. We're told that Judas went to the religious leaders because he wanted to betray Jesus. Why would Judas want to betray Jesus after he had spent such intimate time with the Lord? Well, like everyone else who followed Jesus, Judas thought that Jesus had come to do the work of the Messiah. They saw his miracles. They saw his power over demons. They saw power over Satan and nature. They heard the way that he taught and saw the way that he lived, and they believed that he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. Like the rest, Judas was expecting Jesus Christ to overthrow Rome and break the yoke of Roman oppression. He thought Jesus would deliver Israel and establish a restored kingdom in Israel and richly reward his followers. And when it became apparent that Jesus was not going to do those things, Judas became disillusioned with the Lord. The other disciples slowly began to understand that Jesus was the Messiah, but they also understood that he would accomplish his mission in a way that they could not yet grasp. Judas never came to that understanding. 
Judas followed Jesus because he wanted money. He wanted power. He never embraced the spiritual kingdom of Christ. Why did he stay with Jesus? I think he was looking for a way to use Jesus to make himself rich. We also must remember that Judas kept the money that the little band of disciples had collected as they traveled from place to place, and he was stealing from it. So part of the problem with Judas began with confusion as to the identity and ministry to Jesus. As time went on, he became disillusioned, and what fondness he may have had for Jesus turned to pure hatred. Some would try to salvage the character of Judas right here. They want us to believe that Judas betrayed the Lord in an effort to force the hand of Christ. They believe that Judas betrayed the Lord so that Jesus would be forced to go to war with his enemies. That time flies in the face of the word of God. Judas was not hoping for a good outcome. He wanted Jesus dead. The Bible makes it clear that what Judas did, he did at the command and whim of Satan. John chapter 13 and verse 27. We've already learned that Judas was a thief. He was pilfering from the money bag, his covetousness, Take center stage in John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. This is the first time Judas speaks in the Gospels. When he does, he complains about the way money has been spent. He was enjoying a feast that was held to honor the Lord Jesus in Bethany. As the feast progressed, a woman named Mary entered the room. She brought with her an alabaster flask, filled with pure nard, which is an expensive perfume used by the wealthy. She broke open the flask, and she poured the contents on the head and on the feet of Jesus, and she began to wipe his feet with her hair. When Judas saw this, the calculator in his brain began to work overtime. He estimated that her ointment was worth 300 pence. Or that would be about a year's wages for the average worker. Judas was livid. He did not believe that Jesus was worth that kind of extravagant love. By what he called a waste, Judas had been prevented from stealing a portion of the money for which the ointment could have been sold. When Judas saw this, he's mildly rebuked by Jesus. Still, Judas did not repent. He does not examine his own heart. He's confirmed in his hatred of Jesus, immediately seeks how he might betray him to the Jews. And here we have a bittersweet scene. On the one hand, Jesus is anointed with extravagant love by Mary. On the other, he's anointed with overwhelming hatred by Judas. It's interesting to note that when the other disciples heard the objection raised by Judas, they echoed his opinion in Matthew 28 and 26 and verse 8. His hypocrisy is so complete 
that even the other disciples were taken in by Judas. This serves as a warning to our hearts today. Be very careful who you follow. There are some people who love material things more than they love the master. There are some people who lived, uh, who lived just to get their own way more than, than they desire his ways. And those people will lead you into trouble. And you would be far better off to follow no one but Jesus Christ himself. Now, people look at Judas and wonder how a man could do all that he did, see all that he saw, and be so close to Jesus and yet be lost. Some people claim that Judas was saved, but that he lost his salvation. That's utter foolishness. Salvation is eternal in nature and can never be taken away. Judas was never saved. He was lost when he preached. He was lost when he cast out devils. He was lost when he healed the sick. He was lost as he listened to the Sermon on the Mount. He was lost when he saw the great miracles of our Lord. He was lost when he watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He was lost when he betrayed Jesus. And he was lost when he committed suicide. And he was lost when he opened up his eyes in hell. He did not go to hell because he committed suicide. He went to hell because he was lost. That's what Jesus said about him in John chapter 6, verses 70 and 71. Jesus looked at Judas and called him a devil. He looked like a saint, but the Lord himself said he was a devil. And he acted like the rest of the disciples. But the Lord said he was a devil. He was a preacher, but he was a devil. He was trusted by everyone, but he was a devil. Judas was nothing more than a wolf in sheep's clothing. He, my friend, was a devil. And that's a sobering thought because the lost man can do anything the saved man can do, and he may can even do it better. And just because a man preaches, prays, witnesses, gives, works in the church, attends church, does not prove that he is born again. A lost man can do all of that, and he can even do it with great success. You can't base your relationship with Christ on what you do. Salvation is by faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. There must be a moment of commitment when you come to Jesus Christ by faith, repenting of sin and calling on him for salvation. If that moment is missing from your life, then, my friend, you're lost. Now, Judas Iscariot was no different than any other lost person. Jesus told the Jews that they were the offspring of the devil. And as such, they act just like their father, John 8, 44. There is a family resemblance that cannot be denied. Those who are of the devil will eventually prove it by acting like the devil, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now, I don't want to come across as being too harsh, but you need to hear this. And I say these things because of the love of Christ. I say them because I'm a preacher of the gospel. I say them because I care about your soul. If you've never been born again, then my friend, you're just like Judas. There is a part of you that is controlled by Satan, and you wonder why you do the things you do. You wonder why you can't break the cycle of sin in your life. The reason is simple. You need a new father. You need to be born again. And when you are, everything in your life changes. You become a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when you are, you'll be delivered from the oppression of the devil. 
Now, in this two-part series, we've seen Judas and his personality, Judas and his privileges, Judas and his problem. Now we look at Judas and his plan. After being rebuked by the Lord at the feast, Judas approaches the Jewish leaders and negotiates a deal to betray Jesus into their hands. Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16, tells us that the price that they came up with was 30 pieces of silver. Now, according to Exodus chapter 21, verse 32, it was the price of a slave. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was all Jesus Christ was worth to Judas. He hated Jesus so much that he betrayed him for what amounted to nothing. By the way, Judas betrayed Jesus for about $25 in today's money. Doesn't seem like a lot, does it? It doesn't seem like a lot at all, but people sell him out for a lot less. Young people betray Jesus for a few moments of pleasure with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. People betray Jesus by choosing the wrong way of living over his way of living. Others betray him because their feelings get hurt over this or that. Some betray him for alcohol, some for tr drugs, and some for sex or uh, some other pleasure. But no matter what you betray him for, it's worth nothing compared to the value of your soul. Now, the deal that was struck here, Judas set the wheels of betrayal in motion. Judas took his money and he blended back into the group as though nothing had ever happened. He waited for his chance to destroy Jesus. His opportunity came just a few days later after the celebration of the Passover. And during that meal, Judas crossed the line. He reached the point of no return. We do not have the adequate time to go into all the details of that event, but a few of them will shed light on the character of Judas. Now, John reports that during the meal, Jesus taught his men a much-needed lesson about humility. Jesus arose from the table. He wrapped a towel around himself. He assumed the place of a slave. He's washing the feet of the 12 disciples. He even washed the feet of Judas. Judas, knowing what he was going to do, just sat there totally unmoved by the Lord's act of love. Even Peter protested when the Lord tried to wash his feet in John 13. During his exchange with Peter, Jesus made it clear that he knew one of his men was lost and would betray him. Later in the meal, Jesus became even more direct in verses 19 through 30. Jesus clearly exposes the treachery in the heart of Judas. All of this is an attempt to awaken the conscience and to give Judas an opportunity to repent, but he does not. Jesus even hands Judas the sop in John 13, verses 25 through 27. The sop was a piece of bread which was dipped into a fruit, uh, a fruit mixture that was much like jam. To be handed the sop by one's host at a meal was the ultimate form of respect and love. Jesus honored Judas and attempted to break through the hatred that gripped the man's heart. Judas does not turn from his plan. He simply leaves to go and do his father's business. John eight forty four. John chapter 13 verse 27 is an interesting verse. While Judas had always been a child of the devil, he's now completely taken over by Satan. Every thought, every deed, every action will be carefully choreographed by Satan himself. 
This doesn't mean that Judas was doing things against his will. Judas was a willing participant in the devil's plan. Judas could have yielded himself to the Lord and things would have turned out far differently. But he yielded himself to Satan. And Satan willingly used Judas as his vessel to accomplish his evil purposes. Now after Judas leaves, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And I find it amazing that while Jesus instructs his true disciples about the greatest act of worship given to the church, Judas is out conducting the single greatest act of treachery the world has ever seen. They finish the meal and they go out into the Garden of Gethsemane. While they're there, Jesus prays his high priestly prayer. Of course, Judas knew where they would be. So he, along with a great multitude of soldiers, came to arrest Jesus. Matthew 26 and verse 47. The soldiers came ready for a fight in John chapter 18, verse 3. And when they arrived in Gethsemane, Jesus met them and identified himself to them openly. John chapter 18, verses 4 through 5. Now, Judas had given the soldiers a signal by which they could identify which man was Jesus. Judas said that the man he kissed would be Jesus. When the mob came to get Jesus, the Lord identified himself to them. So there was no need for Judas to kiss him. Judas is so filled with hatred for Jesus that he kisses him anyway. Mark chapter 14, verse 45. A kiss speaks of love, affection, tenderness, respect, intimacy. When Judas walked up to Jesus, he did not give him just one kiss. The tense of the verb suggests that he kept on kissing him. The display of false love and affection for Jesus only makes his deed darker. Sadly for Judas, the kiss was the very kiss of death for him. He kissed the very gates of heaven, and he died and went to hell. That night, Judas blasphemed the Passover. He blasphemed the Son of God. He blasphemed the Lamb of God. He was guilty of the greatest act of blaspheme the world has ever witnessed. Which brings us to our final thought. We see Judas and his punishment. After Jesus was arrested, Judas began to have pangs of remorse for what he had done. He never came to a place of repentance. But the powerful influence Satan held over him subsided, and he realized what he had done. He tried to return the money, but it was too late. Matthew 27, verses 3 and 4. The deed was done. Jesus was on his way to the cross. Satan used Judas for his purposes and then discarded him like a piece of trash. Even now, Judas is not interested in salvation. He is not interested in believing in Jesus. He is not interested in getting right with God. Judas has crossed the line. The door of salvation has closed in his life forever. He is the perfect example of a reprobate mind. The word reprobate 
means worthless. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, the word is used of people who thought God was worthless, so God gave them over to a worthless mind. The result was that they gave themselves to every kind of defilement imaginable. Judas looked at Jesus, his works, his teaching, his claims, and he said, he's worthless. Therefore, the Lord gave up on Judas. He abandoned him to his own choice. Judas would forever remain lost and separated from God. And when Judas saw that he could not fix what he had done, he threw the money down in the temple and he went out and he committed suicide by hanging himself. Matthew 27 and verse 5. Apparently, he couldn't even do that right because the limb or the rope broke and his body fell from a cliff and burst open on the rocks beneath. Acts chapter 1 and verse 18. The money Judas left at the temple was used to purchase a field where strangers could be buried. Matthew 27, verses 6 through 10. Judas was the first person to be buried there. It was a tragic end to a tragic life. It's interesting to consider the deeds of the chief priest. They gave Judas the money to betray Jesus. And when Judas gives them back the money, they refused to put it back in the treasury because it's blood money, and it would have been unlawful to do so. Where was their concern over the law when they were conspiring to have Jesus arrested? Where were their scruples when they condemned him to death using false witnesses and lies? Where was their concern for right and wrong when they murdered their Messiah? That is the way of hypocrisy. It cares for nothing but achieving its own deeds. They got what they wanted, and that's all they cared about. Acts chapter 1 and verse 25 says that when Judas died, he went to his own place. That simply means that he went to a place prepared for him, and people like him, he went to hell. Just as surely as there's a place called heaven, Prepared by Jesus for the saints of God, John 14, verses 1 through 3. There's a place called hell prepared for the devil and for those who follow him, Matthew 25 and verse 41. Every lost sinner, every religious hypocrite, every false disciple will go to hell when they die. This is made crystal clear by the multitude of scripture passages. Consider the following verses when you hear them it will mean something in your life. Matthew 25, verse 46. These shall go away into the everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Matthew chapter 3, and verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Matthew chapter 13, and verse 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. Matthew chapter 13, verse 42. 
and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 50. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Mark chapter 9 verses 43 through 48. And if our hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and if thy foot offend thee cut it off it is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and if thine eye offend thee pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Revelation 14 verses 10 and 11, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest nor day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Revelation 20 verses 10 through 15 and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My friend, if you miss Jesus Christ, hell is where you will spend eternity. In the end, it will not matter how good of a neighbor you were. It will not matter how good of a church member you were. It will not matter about the money you gave or the good deeds you did. All that will matter is your relationship to Jesus Christ. If you are saved, you will go to heaven. If you are lost, you will go to hell. Don't let it happen to you. Come to Christ and be saved by him today. Judas was a great pretender, but his hypocrisy never went unchallenged. The Lord placed many roadblocks in his way, and Judas went to hell because of his unbelief, but he had worked, he had to work hard to get there. Every sermon, every message, every act of kindness, every miracle was a call from Jesus Christ to repent of sin and believe on him. Do not, do not miss what God is giving you an opportunity to trust him.